Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. And through that, I want you to go with me tonight to the book of Joshua chapter 5. The book of Joshua chapter 5. I'm going to be honest with you. My prayer is, and I believe that by the time that we get to the end of this, we're going to feel encouraged. But I believe that we've got to wade through some stuff to get there. Amen? Amen. And so I want us to look at this tonight. I have never in my life, I'm going to be honest with you, 21 years of ministry, I've never preached this passage of Scripture ever in my life. I like the book of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. I've never preached this portion. I've preached all around it. I've preached crossing the Jordan. I've preached conquering Jericho. I've preached Joshua chapter 1 to don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, but I've never preached this in 21 years of ministry. But this morning when I got up, the Lord spoke these scriptures to my heart and I want to share them with you tonight. Joshua chapter number 5. I wouldn't begin reading at verse number 2 tonight. The Bible says at the time of the, at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the heel of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war which came up out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. Look at verse 9. The Lord said unto Joshua this day, have I rolled the reproach of Egypt from off of you? Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. So for a few moments tonight, if the Lord will help me, if you'll trek with me tonight, I want to talk to you on this thought. I want to talk to you tonight about the place of cutting away. 
or the place of preparation. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 would say, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. Why? What's the purpose? To show forth the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, Israel is a people. When we come to this chapter, Israel is a people that are on the brink of everything that God had intended for them. They have already crossed the Jordan. Their next step is to get to Jericho and to begin to conquer the land that God had for them. You see, it was the goodness of God that had already sustained them up to this point. I mean, think about it. He didn't have it. God caused manna to rain down out of heaven. I mean, think about that. You walk out of your tent door. You don't have to go hunting for food. You don't have to run to the Kroger. You don't have to go to Walmart. You don't have to grow a garden. You can walk out of your tent door and everything that you need for that day, God has provided for you. Amen? And so, and the Bible says that once they get to the border of the promised land, I love it, the Bible says that there was not one feeble among them. There wasn't one, it didn't matter from the youngest to the oldest, there was not one feeble person in the camp. The Bible says that their shoes did not wear out. Their clothes did not wear out. I don't know how it happened, but I can just imagine as they're going through those little kids when, when they got too big for their shoes, I just happen to think that God caused the shoes to grow with them. I can when they were wearing they were wearing a small as a kid, and when it come time that they needed an extra large shirt, God just caused that shirt to expand. Amen. Because God, it was the goodness of God that had brought them to this point. You see, they had wandered in the wilderness for forty years. That was never God's intention. God's intention was never for the children of Israel to wander in the wilderness for as long as they had. I believe that a lot of times, can I just say this real quick? I believe a lot of times our own wilderness experiences that we've been dealing with for so long that we've been that we've been wondering it but it was never God's intention for us to be in them for so long. There's a purpose for the wilderness. I believe, and we're going to get to that here in a minute. God has a had a purpose for them to go through the wilderness, but it was never God's will for them to be in the wilderness for 40 years. What put them into the wilderness for that long? Their disobedience and their unbelief. Come on, somebody help me here tonight. And so, but at this but at this moment, their days of wandering are about to be over, and the days and the days of possessing are about to begin. They are looking, they have already crossed the Jordan. 
They have already watched the Jordan part. They cross over on, uh, on dry ground and they're on the brink of possessing everything that God has intended for them. Can you imagine what, it, what, it, what could have been going through their mind at this moment as they are standing on the brink and they can look over and they can see everything that God has guaranteed them. I mean, look at it. I don't know about you. I, I Listen, I, I'm a theme park junkie. I love going to theme parks. My, I love going to Disney World. And there is something, there is something about being on that monorail when I'm getting ready to go to Magic Kingdom or I'm getting on that ferry, getting ready to cross over the Seven Seas Lagoon, getting ready to go to Walt Disney World and the Magic Kingdom. And there is something, something happens on the inside of me. I, I, I'm 37 years old, but I act like a five-year-old kid when I'm on that boat or I'm on that monorail and we're going and we're getting closer and all of a sudden I can see that castle over the horizon. There's something that happens on the inside of me when I see all that. I get all giddy. I'm getting ready to see Mickey Mouse. I'm getting ready to see Goofy and Donald Duck and all those people. I, I get excited about all of that. And can you imagine, can you imagine what the children of Israel must have been thinking as they were standing there on the brink of everything that God, for hundreds of years, over 400 years prior to that, he would call Abraham and he would tell Abraham, I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. In your seed's going to be multiplied. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And they are standing at the brink, but they're not there yet. Why? Because at that moment, God has to prepare them for what they are getting ready to possess. In their current state, Israel could not possess what God had for them. God says, I brought you this far by my goodness. God says, I brought you here by my grace. God says, I brought you here by my mercy. You can see it. You can taste it. You can, and it's in the, the anticipation is so thick. You can cut it with an eye. But I've got to prepare you for what you're getting ready to walk into. Because see, here is the thing. Victory, growth, and blessings only come on the heels of preparation. Can I tell you something tonight, harvest time? Victory, blessings, growth, revival will not come on the heels of good church services. They will not come on the heels of us paying our time. And I believe in paying time. But it comes on the heels of when men and women of God begin to prepare themselves for what God has promised. See, here's the thing, and listen, I, I, 
I get, sometimes I get hate mail. Sometimes I get people that fall out with me. Now listen, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a coward. I've gotten to the place where I'm not going to back down with what God, I feel like God has given me. See, here's the thing. There are times that I feel like that I preach things in churches and places that I go uh, that I go to and sometimes people miss under and people misunderstand what I'm trying to say or they hear me say something they go well he doesn't believe in prophecy or he doesn't believe in deliverance or he doesn't believe in healing come on okay here real because I've had it happen here all right so I'm laying the foundation in the groundwork with what I'm saying here Because I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm getting ready to say. I believe in prophetic words. I believe in prophecy. But here's the thing. Too many times we as the church of the living God have have replaced responsibility with prophecy. Mm. I know y'all getting quiet on me. That's okay. We have replaced responsibility with prophecy. We want somebody to call us out and say, you know what? God is going to use you greatly. God's going to move in your life greatly. And so we take that and go, well, God, since you said it, I don't have to do anything. I just got to sit back and just wait on you to do it. And can I tell you, that is not how God operates. I have come to realize that prophetic words are more about possibility than they are about inevitability because when God gives you a word when God gives you a prophetic word when God gives you a promise it is then mine and your responsibility to begin to prepare ourselves for what God has told us and okay here we go I'm getting ready to preach it right now and when we don't prepare ourselves with what God has told us in essence we are telling God God I don't believe you oh here I told you I told you I was going to preach it I don't want anybody to get mad at me are you ready God has spoken to us time and time again that a thousand people will sit in one place What are we doing to prepare for the harvest? If we are not doing anything to prepare for the harvest, we are in essence telling God, God, I really don't believe you can do it. But victory, growth, blessings only come through preparation. And before they could move in, Before Israel could move in, they had to prepare themselves. Everything was good up to this point. But God begins to tell Joshua, Joshua, there's something that has to happen. Joshua, there's something that the children of Israel have to do. He says they've got to prepare themselves. And so he begins to tell them, go through... And all the men need to be circumcised. It is what God is saying in order for you to walk in the promise. There must be a time of consecration. You see, circumcision was an Old Testament sign that we were in covenant with God. It was a marking that set them apart. 
else to say, hey, I am in covenant with God. I'm not like everybody else. I don't live like everybody else. I don't talk like everybody else. I don't dress like everybody else. I, I, I don't think like everybody else. The sign of circumcision was a sign I am in covenant with God. But here was the issue. The Bible says that there were those that everyone who came up out of Egypt, everybody that came up out of Egypt had been circumcised. But when that generation died, there was a generation that was born in the wilderness that hadn't necessarily experienced the covenant with God. I'm getting ready to preach right now. You see, they enjoyed the blessings of God. They enjoyed the manna that came down from heaven. They enjoyed the healing. They enjoyed the prosperity. But can I tell you, they were in covenant with him. How do you know that, preacher? Well, just ask. Just a quick rundown. Moses goes up on the, on the, on the mountaintop to meet with God for 40 days. And no sooner has he turned his back to go up to meet God that all the people decided to make their own God and their own image. You see, covenant must be reestablished again in the church. Mm. Okay. You see, this sign of circumcision was a sign that there were some fleshly things that had to be removed from their lives. Spiritual surgery has to be done. Because why? We are marked for His glory. We have been marked for a purpose. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. I love good church. I love good shouting. I love good preaching. But how many knows you can have good preaching? You can have good music. You can have all of that and still not walk in what God intended for you to walk in. I told you this is going to get heavy tonight. You see, but the Bible says that we have been a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. To be chosen means that we have been picked out. God has picked us for such a time as this. We are a royal priesthood. We, we have a status that is above the rest of the world. We are a holy nation. Let me just preach on holiness here for a minute. Because holiness means for us to be blameless. Holiness means for us to be set apart. Holiness means that we don't look like the rest of the world. That we don't act like the rest of the world. We don't talk like the rest of the world. Oh, okay, here we go. Are you a pastor? I was chuckling there. Let me tell you why I was chuckling there. I was listening to some old preaching back from uh, the old Church of God in Christ days. So, do you remember G.E. Patterson? I'm telling you, that man could preach like nobody's business. He wasn't afraid who he made mad. 
But they used to, and, and those old black churches, they used to have a song that they would sing. And they would sing a song. And I'll tell you, I was, I was sitting in the kitchen today and I was listening to that while I was eating. Man, I got excited. They used to sing an old song that used to say, that used to say, well, the Bible is right and somebody's wrong. Somebody's right or the Bible is right, somebody's wrong. And then they'd have these catchy little verses to it. I remember two of them that I love. I love them. One of them said, I've done told you once. I done told you twice. You can't make it to heaven with a sweetheart and a wife. Oh, the Bible is right. It's somebody's wrong. Oh, the Bible is right. Somebody's wrong. And then they went into another verse and said, I've done told you time and time again. You can't make it to heaven if you're sipping gin. Oh, the Bible is right. Somebody's wrong. Oh, that's it. Now, here's the thing. Some of y'all ain't men in me in your minds, and some of you go, man, I don't know about all that. Well, let me just say it to you one more time. The Bible is right, and somebody's wrong. There's still a standard that God requires of his people. There's still a standard that God requires for the church of the living God. I'm just going to do some old-fashioned preaching here right now. You can't live like the world Monday through, through Saturday and come into church and expect to have revival. You all come out from among you saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be to you a God unto you. You see it was a place of preparation. He said listen you're going to do this. He said listen if you're going to walk in it you've got to live up to your obligation of the contract. I told you this is going to be heavy tonight. We've got to live under our obligation of the contract. Okay, I'm just going to preach it. I got, I got a problem. I got a problem with a lot of the modern age gospel and prosperity and everything that's espoused from pulpits in America today. Because it teaches us we go to God in the name of God to do something. First of all, let me tell you something. We don't demand God to do anything. Who are we to think that we can command God to do anything? We need to understand and realize that it is He who hath made us and not we ourselves. But what a lot of this and I'm going to call it nonsense teaches us in modern Christianity is that we command God to do things and listen. While I believe that God blesses, God blesses on the heels of us living up to our end of the agreement. Mm. Okay. And so it is time that the church, he would say in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 16, he would say, circumcise your heart. 
and stop being stiff-necked. Mm. Circumcise your... He said, remember the Lord. Remember Him. Now here is the thing. As we begin to prepare ourselves, don't let the devil hinder your progress. Do not let the devil hinder your progress. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says this. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and what? We've heard it already quoted tonight. And he must flee. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I go into a lot of churches. We quote the last half of that verse. Resist the devil and he will flee. But there is a prerequisite before that, we must learn to submit ourselves unto God. Then when we submit ourselves, to submit means we have to come under the authority of who He is. We are good with Him being Savior, but sometimes we struggle with Him being Lord. Because Lord means we must come under the authority of Him. Our will bows to His will. Our thoughts bow to His thoughts. Our, our desires bow to His desires. Then it is at that moment that when we submit ourselves under the authority of God that we begin to resist the devil and he has to flee. To resist means to stand against. We stand against everything that the enemy tries to do. And what God is telling them, He says, cut away everything that does not bring glory to me. If you are going to walk in the promises, we've got to be willing to examine ourselves and to say, hey, God, God, here it is. Here I'm laying everything. I'm willing to cut it off. I'm willing to take the spiritual knife, and I'm willing, I'm willing, God, for the Holy Spirit to do spiritual surgery in my life to cut away everything that is not like you. You see, deliverance is big business today. Well, I'm trying to behave myself. Deliverance is big business today, so I'm just going to say that right off the bat. As a matter of fact, we've got movies out now that it spouse that what your problem is, listen to me, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. What your problem is, the reason why that you're, the reason why that you can't stop lusting is not really your fault. That's just a spirit. The reason why, the reason why that you keep on drinking, well, you know, that's that, that's that spirit of alcoholism that we need to cast out. Now listen, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't, nobody want anybody calling a lunch meeting with pastor and say, hey, you know, he's heretical and he's doing this and doing that. No. I say that because it's happened before. I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be honest and trying to just pour my heart out to you. You see, 
Think about Samson. In this day and in this age, we'd have told me, well, you know what? That's that spirit of Delilah. What you need to do is you need to take authority over that spirit of Delilah that's in your life. But Samson was a whoremonger. Samson didn't know he could have walked in deliverance if he would have just learned to have crucified his flesh. Mm. There was going to be no prayer line that was going to help him in this. That's the reason why so many times I've seen people that have so much promise, people that have so much potential in the kingdom of God, then they come through prayer lines and say, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. And, 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 and I'm dealing with this. And they want somebody just to lay hands on them and it all just go away. But though when they go home, they still log on to the computer. When they go home, they still are doing all sorts of things, still going to the same places, still. You see, we've got a part to play in it too. We've got a part to play in it too. And he's telling them, if you are going to walk in this, you've got to cut some things away. Number two, and I'm trying to hurry with this. And then he says, confirm your trust in God. So you've got to consecrate yourself. Then you've got to confirm your trust in God. Here was the interesting thing. They all followed in obedience. They all followed in obedience. And then they had to trust God through the process. They had to stay where they were at until they were healed. The enemy is right there, but they couldn't fight the enemy. They were vulnerable. And the only thing that they could do was trust God in the process. What that tells me tonight, church, is that every area of our lives, if we are going to march into the promises of God, every area of our lives must be placed in the hands of God. What we refuse to place in His hands can never be healed. Can I tell you, there are some of us here tonight that possibly at times we refuse to put things in God's hands and that's the reason why we do not experience the healing that we need to experience in our lives. You see, here's the thing. God cannot use us if He at first cannot heal us. I'm going to say that again. God cannot use us if at first He cannot heal us. Because here's the thing. If we try to take our wounds into our next season, we'll bleed everywhere. And what happens is there is a point. Listen to me, church. There is a point. We've got to allow God to heal us and then 
move on. God cannot use us until He has first proved us. You know the reason why that they went into Egypt, into, into the wilderness? Think about this. Now, we don't like messages like this, and sometimes we struggle with this. I struggle with this. I struggle with the fact that God says, I actually caused them to be hungry. <laughs> well, I thought God wouldn't do that. It's not what the Bible says. God said, I caused them to be hungry. I caused them to do without. Why? To prove them. I wanted them to understand that man does not live by bread alone, but, but they live by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. What I have come to realize in 21 years of ministry, what I have come to realize in 21 years of ministry is God will put you in a place to ask you this simple question. Will you trust me? Well, we live in a different age. We don't live, we don't live in Old Testament times. We live, we live on uh, uh, under a better covenant. Right? You know what that better covenant got Paul the Apostle? Got his head chopped off. Oh, okay. You know what that better covenant got Peter? Got him hung upside down on the cross. You know what that got Thomas in India? That got Thomas run in with spears and swords. And it's a better covenant. While we're, while we're standing back and espousing, you know, well, God will never allow any of that. And God, I don't believe that. That can't happen. That won't happen to me. You better be careful what you tell God won't happen. But God will bring us to a place. I'm not mad. I'm really not. But God will bring us to a place to say, do you trust me? Because here's what I have found out. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. You've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again tonight. It was probably a couple of years ago by now, or at least a year, year and a half. When Pastor Tony and I watched this video of the persecution that was going on in China. And their number one requirement for any new minister that comes into that country to try to preach the gospel is show me what you've been through. Show me your scars. Show me what you've had to endure for the kingdom of God. Are we willing to trust God can I just bring it down to home? Are we willing to trust God that He knows what's best for this church? And even bring it closer to home. Are we willing to commit to God that we really believe that God will lead our pastor in the right way 
to lead this church. I know that's a deep question. I wish I could give messages tonight that make us run, hoop and holler, throw babies in the air, swing from the fans and stuff. But I truly believe this is what the Lord has given to me. Are we willing to lay aside our preferences on what we think should be done? Let me just talk here for a minute. We willing to not get upset every time something little happens gets rearranged in the church? Pastor, here's what I figured out. Are you ready? If you make a decision and it doesn't make anybody mad, you probably didn't make the right decision. Are we willing to commit everything into the hands of God and say, God, here it is. You can have it all. Because once we cut away the things that hold us back, once we commit everything to God, now listen, this is what God says. Are you ready? He says, then I will roll the reproach away off of you. See, it's a process. It's a preparation. What was once on you will now be taken off of you. It will give you a used-to-be testimony. It will give you a testimony. And, I, and, I, and I'm preaching to us. And I know that there are those that are listening by Facebook and those that are listening to us. And I believe that it'll it'll touch and it'll minister to other people but i'm really speaking to us here tonight for just for just a moment it'll take us to a place to where we no longer get this close it'll get us to a place to where we walk in the perpetual revival of the lord it'll bring us to a place where we used to say hey i remember I remember how lean it used to be. I remember when we used to have some days where we struggled. I used to remember some days when, when, when people were just scattered across the sanctuary. I used to remember days when one service it was more lopsided on the one side than it was on the other. But now what I see is I see the abundance now I see the promises that God has given to me. But it comes from the place. It comes from the place of saying, God, here I am. Take away, take away it all. If there's pride in my life, here, cut it out of me. If, there, if there's division in my life, here it is. Take it out of me. If, there, if, if, if there's a me mentality, an I mentality, God, here it is. Cut it away from me. Take it out of me. And then, God, I place myself in the palm of your hand. God, I belong to you. God, I I, I, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to the authority of your name. And then God says, hey, now I can take what used to be. I can move you into your destiny because it was in that moment after they had healed, after they committed themselves to God, they walked into the promises 
Then the manna ceased. We look at it and say, if it had not been for the Lord. I was thinking today, Pastor, and I'm bringing this to a close. Of that old song that says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply, stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my feeble cry, and from the waters, he lifted me now safe am I. And then the chorus says, Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. You see, if we are going to make this journey, it requires some things. As a review, it requires a separation. It requires a preparedness. It requires a trust. Now here's the thing. If you're struggling with this message, I'll tell you this, I've struggled all day with this message. I have. I've struggled all day with this message. As a matter of fact, when I walked into the church, I asked the Lord, Lord, can you give me anything else to preach to? Let me preach something else. God said, no. This is the word. And what we do with that is up to us. You say, Brother Jeremy, where does this come from? I'm going to tell you where it comes from. Where I feel like, because I walked into this house this evening with a heavy burden. I know we're online, I don't, and I guess it's just is what it is. There are nights that I weep. Because I'm not seeing the fulfillment of what God has promised. Pastor, I'm just being honest. There are nights, there are days I get mad at myself. Because I wonder, I question myself about so many things. Lord, help me. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. 
And I believe this morning as I was praying, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, if you will prepare yourself, separate yourself. And God has spoken to me specific things that He has told me, you got to cut away. I don't want you to think I'm preaching at you. Let me be very, very clear about my method of preaching. I'll never stand behind this pulpit and preach anything that God hasn't dealt deeply with me on. And I have said, God, God has spoken to me specific things even for my own life. Hey, this is what's got to change. And with God's help in the Spirit of God, that's what I'm going to do. So my challenge is this. What are you willing to do? Stand with me all over this house. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.